0: that turned on? Here we go, my fault, sorry. Hey, uh, I want to say a big thank you to my friends uh, Ahmad and Tejal, uh Mutasid who were here last Sunday. Didn't they do just a fabulous job? I just loved hearing from Ahmad. He's a church planner in Maumel. God's doing amazing work in him. Uh, he's at New Generations Church in Conway, but God is planting through he and his wife uh, and, and even in an apartment complex there in, in Maumel. And so thank God for some time with him and hearing from him last week. Do you remember having mission services growing up at church? Maybe you didn't grow up in church, you don't have that sort of a frame of reference, but uh, I grew up in this church, for those of you that don't know. And by the way, I wanna do this, I didn't do this a minute ago. We have some family members here visiting with us for the baptisms. If you're here with, with Brooklyn, just kinda of raise your hand. Man, we wanna welcome you guys, we're so glad you're here. And you're here with Hayden, right? Let's see your hands if you're here with Hayden. Wow, awesome. I meant to do that in the baptism. I'm sorry, but we are grateful that you're here with us worshiping today. So thanks, and feel free to come back, be with us again. Uh, I remember these these missionary services in our church, and we even had some missionaries in the church. And I remember these services being these things where these really amazing people would come to the service. We would we would promote it, you know, until we had the day of the service. Then we'd have the service, and they would come with these unbelievable pictures. Of, of lost natives and, and tribal people from around the world, and they talked uh, about other languages and, and uh, these mission projects and the passion in their hearts, and it was so interesting. We would, we would have these special days, and, and at the end of the day of the service, we would take up an offering for those projects and for that missionary and for uh, the thing that he was being led to do in those different countries. Um, the thing I, I kept thinking when I was a kid was, these folks are the best of us. That's what I kept thinking, these are the best of us that are willing to go to the ends of the earth to make Jesus known. Do we have a picture back there, guys? You know, some, some, some of these folks, I mean, they're, this is like a picture that is iconic in my mind of, to me, one of the greatest missionaries of all time, but uh, Pastor Jerry Kidd and his wonderful wife, Sue, sitting right over here on our team. I mean, he's down by the the wheel of the plane, like, you know, he's charting his course. It's awesome. It's just an awesome moment. But we would have have, uh, Brother Jerry, we'd have other missionaries that would come, and it would be a special day. But the reality is, if I'm being honest, at the end of the missionary service, I would just go back to sort of my normal Christian life, or what I thought was my normal Christian life. I remember being in college and I I got a a devotional book, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. Wonderful. Um, And convicting. (laughs) Because as I was reading through it, I noticed that uh, he referred to me, the reader, and you if you've read the book, as a missionary. I remember reading it the first time going, "What? hang on. We're going back and he's calling me a missionary. I don't have a plane. I don't speak a different language. I don't have a mission project. I haven't surrendered to missions. <laughs> what is this about? I, he's calling me a missionary. I, I even remember going back to the Bible and going, all right, let me just see in the Bible the, the pictures or the stories of people who weren't missionaries. They're just good church folk, right? They, uh, they, they just go to church. They have their jobs. They have their faith. Let me go find those people. I, uh, I didn't find those people in the Bible, Instead what I found was people on mission in the Bible. Missionaries. I found a a biblical church on mission with those missionaries praying, sending, scattering, going, being persecuted, preaching, but I couldn't find this this, uh, element of the church that really just didn't own mission, because it didn't exist. I, uh, i got to tell you, friends, that um, you're a missionary. <laughs> Some of you are like, <clears throat> excuse me. Right? I'm, not, I'm not talking about the missionary service. Actually, all of our services are missionary services. But I had made the mistake of sort of sectioning them off. And, and those people who are amazing, those people who are incredible, they have planes, they have mission projects. And the reality is, friends, I wasn't on mission even though God had called me to be a missionary. Listen, just because you don't have a mission project or you may not speak a a secondary language or whatever the case may be or maybe you don't even call yourself that, the reality is you are a missionary. In fact, I want to say this statement and I want you to really hear it. There's no such thing as an obedient disciple of Jesus who is not on mission. I want you to take it into your heart. Think about this. There's no such thing as an obedient disciple of Jesus who is not on mission. I want to make a few points this morning in the message. The first one is this. If you're saved, you're sent. I think I've probably used that phrase before. But it's true. If you're saved, if God has done a work in your heart, if he's taken you, what we celebrated this morning, from death to life, if he's redeemed you, if he's changed your heart, if he's given you life in Christ and you're saved, then you're sent. That's what we see, and I'm gonna prove it to you this morning in scripture. Don't just take my word for it, please. All right, we talk about the Great Commission all the time, right? We, we, we refer to Matthew 28 in the Great Commission. We've read it maybe every Sunday for a while in this mission series, and I, and I think we need to continue to. But one of the things we don't realize is when we talk about the Great Commission, at least in my mind, I don't know if you do this, but I kind of section it off as an event. Great commission happened. Jesus, the text tells us there's 11 disciples he's speaking to, that's a great commission. And then I go over here to Acts one, where Jesus says, I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit, and he's gonna empower you, you wait on him, but he's gonna empower you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world, right? In my mind, those feel like two separate moments, and I think it's because they're in two separate books. They're two separate writers, but the reality is it's the same moment. That moment where Jesus gives the Great Commission, that moment where Jesus says, Go to Jerusalem and wait. I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit. That's the same time. Two different writers, okay, but it's the same moment. In fact, we have uh, one event, three different writers who write about it, and four different books Matthew 28, Acts 1, Luke 24, and Mark 16. These are all accounts of the Great Commission. But do you do that? I don't know. I I, I find myself separating them. But what I want us to do is, is is synthesize those together because it's one moment, one event. Look with me at the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, and Jesus came and said to them, This is the eleven, these are the eleven disciples, okay? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, some might argue, hey, that was given to leaders. Those disciples, those 11 disciples, they are the leaders of the church. And I would say, yeah, it was given to the leaders. But it was also given to the, to the church as a whole. It was given to all disciples for all time. Why, why do I say that? At the end of the verse, what does he say? The very, the very last verse, right? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Did those 11 disciples make it to the end of the age? I, I don't see them, right? We haven't even made it to the end of the age, but guess what? Jesus is still with us, Right? So we know even by that, that he meant this for more than those 11 disciples. He meant it for the entire church. Let's look at uh, Acts 1:8 Again, same event, different account of the same event. Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Did those 11 disciples in that event, did they make it to the ends of the earth? Have we made it to the ends of the earth? No. But here's here's how we can know it's for all believers, right? Until we do, Jesus will empower us to be his witnesses all the way there, wherever that is. So he's with us to the end of the age as his disciples. And he goes with us wherever we go to take this message of Jesus. The, The commission of Jesus was given to the, ends of the, uh, to the uh, entire church. Now I want to bring your attention to something here. So what happened at Pentecost? Go with me over here to Acts chapter 2. This is the moment. It's a few days later. Jesus had said, go into Jerusalem, wait on, wait on the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to empower you to do this work. So we go over to Acts 2 and we see when it happens. Verse 1 says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Now, this is literally fire on top of their head, which represents the relational presence of God. Okay, we had seen it uh, in, in Genesis. we had seen it uh, following the, the, the people, the Israelites throughout the, the, the wilderness, whether it be the fire by night, right, pillar of uh, cloud by day, whether it be the fire over Mount Sinai. Whatever the case may be, this is his relational presence with his people. He's saying now my relational presence resides with each of you. You see that? So let's let's go back to the text. So, and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. Each of them. Now the text tells us there are 120 believers in this upper room. The church at that moment was about 120 people. Men, women, 11 disciples, okay? So, all of them. And it says that the Spirit fell on each of them. Verse 4 and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, why did Jesus send the Spirit again? Why did He say He was going to send the Spirit in Acts 1 8? To make us what? Witnesses, right? To empower us to be a witness. But when the Spirit falls on the church, it doesn't just fall on 11 leaders. Do you see that? It fell on 120 believers. So what do you think the Lord is trying to say about believers being witnesses in the world? Are you following me? If he's filled us with his presence, his Spirit, then he's sending us. If you're saved, you're sent. The Spirit fell on all believers. See, the great commission of Jesus was given to the entire church. The Holy Spirit of God was given to empower the witness of the church to the entire church. When we look at the early church, which is something I love to do, I love to talk about the early church, and I'm really excited about our our leadership cohort. We started last week. We got about 15 people going in a seminary level uh, cohort studying the book of Acts. We're talking about the early church, I love it. But when we look at the early church, we see in in Acts 2, we see in Acts 4, uh, the Lord is adding to their number daily, it says. That's not happening just because 11 apostles are going around and being a witness. It's happening because the church is owning the Great Commission individually, right? They're going around and saying, do you know what God has done in my life? I saw this miracle. He's changed me. He saved me. I got to tell you about it. And every day, the Lord is adding to their number Friends, if you're saved, you're sent. You, you, me, we're missionaries if we know Jesus as our Savior. Back in June, uh, Pastor Daryl, Pastor Elvis, myself, um, Ellie, some other friends of ours were at this multiplication workshop in Dallas. It was put on by Dr. Dave DeVries. I want to share a couple of things from that uh, workshop i was hoping he would come here this fall and preach for us and we weren't able to to get him to do that but i want i'm just taking this from his material and i want to share it with you the first thing if you're saved you're sent but the second thing i want you to see if you're sent there's five things i want you to know number one you're sent by jesus right <laughs> just because i say you need to be on mission is not a good enough reason to leave here and go witness to people right never take something that I just say as something you just need to live by. Never. Because men get it wrong all the time. Me included. (laughs) All the time. But if the Bible says it, if God's word says it, obey it, right? If we are his, if we're saved, if if he is our Lord and Master and Savior, then we want to be obedient to him. So it's not just me preaching a message that we need to go and take the gospel of Jesus. Jesus is, is sending us. John 20, verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. The first message in this Multiply series, we talked about the God of mission. That when you think about mission work, when you think about the Great Commission, this is God's mission. Not just South City's mission, it didn't start with us, it didn't start with other churches, it started with God, right? The Bible says in John three sixteen, right? That God so loved the world, he sent his only son, his missionary effort, his missionary son to the world. So whoever believes in him doesn't have to perish, but they can have everlasting life. God is a missionary God on mission for the lost. Why? Because he loves us. And then we have Jesus, our Savior, saying, as the Father sent me, now I send you. Why? Because he loves us. That's why. That's why we go. This includes you. If you know Jesus, this includes me. I think about the fact that the last thing Jesus says before he ascends into heaven, the Great Commission. It's important. This may be the most important moment of Jesus' assignment to the disciples. Here, he's lived with them, he's taught them, he's trained them, he's done miracles. They've seen unbelievable things, right, for three years. And maybe the most important moment of that ministry and his training and leadership, the moment before he ascends into heaven, before they see this unbelievable miracle, he says, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all the things that I've commanded you, and I will be with you to the end of the age. It's an important uh, imperative. This is a commandment. Sometimes we treat the great, uh, the great Commission like an option. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go on mission today. I might go do this or that. It, it's not. It's a commandment. It's something we are uh, called to do and to be obedient. We have to go. So number one, we're sent by Jesus. Number two, we're sent with the cross. We're sent with the cross. Colossians 2.13 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses... Uh, and the uncirc- uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. Friends, we don't just go to the world and say, you know what, you sure could live a better life you know what, you could sure be a little happier. You know what, you could sure just have a little bit more financial security. And there's people that are saying those things. And they may be good things, but we have been sent with a life-changing message that only happens in the cross of Jesus. Pastor Darrell mentioned this a minute ago. Uh, Only the name of Jesus. No other name under heaven by which men must be saved. The name of Jesus the cross of Jesus, we, we, that's the gospel. People don't just need self-help, they don't just need encouragement, they don't just need little things that we think we can give them, they need salvation. They need forgiveness and it only happens as a result of the work of Jesus on the cross, the finished work on the cross, amen? So if we're saved, we've been made alive with Christ, forgiven, forgiven, Our debt has been canceled because of Jesus' death. But this is not only our experience of salvation, now it's our message. We have to go with this message. We have to take this message to the people, to everyone, that by the cross, they must be saved. There's a lot of of self-help out there. (laughs) There's a lot of religions that, that have you work for your salvation, the Mormons, Islam, So many. you got to work to get to these next position. Christianity says Christ has done all the work. (laughs) And you can't do it if you even tried. We must surrender to Jesus. We must believe that he died for us. And when we believe, he saves us, he changes us, and he calls us to a life in Christ. There are people I think that uh, you're going to run into all the time. My kids talk about their experience at school with people who who scorn them, who laugh at their faith, who, and you, you've experienced the same thing. They don't believe in the cross. They don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in that. But, but what does the Bible say? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. It's a joke. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. People who don't understand what Jesus has done for them. It's a joke. You've got to be kidding, right? You're going to believe in this fairy tale, this old story, this antiquity, this whatever. And and they're going to have a history channel version of Christianity, which is not accurate, right? There's moments of accuracy that are put in there. So make you, oh, this must be true. It's the history channel. It must be like school. We know how accurate school can be at times, People who don't have this experience of Jesus, who are perishing, think it's, think it's hilarious. But to those of us who are being saved by Christ, it is the power of God. It is life itself. The message of the cross is the gospel of Jesus. That's the thing that the world has to hear. It's the thing that we have to be about leaving this place. And every time God gives an opportunity for us to share it, we need to share it as we can. So Christ has changed us from who we were, from what we were doing, from the things that were important to us, but now he's given us a responsibility to share it with others. If we had a uh, main text this morning, this would be the one I'd want you to write down. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. This is what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's what we celebrated this morning in the baptistry. They were buried with Christ. Raised to walk in the newness of life, that's what this is saying. Anyone who is in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is buried, the old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. We celebrate what God is doing in this newness of life. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Why? Because we were enemies with God. And when he saved us, he reconciled us to God. But then he gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Uh oh, that is in Christ, God was reconciling the whole world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them because he loves the world. And he's entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake, He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, if you know Jesus this morning as your Savior, you've been reconciled to a holy God. And if you've not been reconciled to a holy God, then you stand opposed to a holy God. You stand as an enemy against the holiness of God. Can I just tell you that's a dangerous position to be in this morning? And with all my heart, like Paul, I would say, I implore you, I beg you, I plead with you, accept Jesus as your Savior. See him for who he is as the Holy One. See you for who you are, a sinful one who could never be holy apart from Jesus and his death on a cross. But do you see what what Paul is saying here is Christ reconciled us, he saved us, he changed us, but he didn't stop there, did he? After that, he did something. He says, He gave us a ministry. Some of you go, Well, no, 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 I don't have a ministry. I have a job. I go to my job, I work my job. You got a ministry. You work at the church. I I don't think that's what it's saying. I think what it's saying is if you're saved, you're sent. If you know Jesus, not only has He changed your heart and your life, but He's given you a ministry to the world. Can I just tell you something? God is on a mission, he's the God of mission, to change this world, to change the hearts and lives of people, do you know why? Because he loves them, and he wants to do it through you. He's reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, entrusting us, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. He's given you a ministry, he's given you a message And now he wants to speak that message through you. Do you see that? God making his appeal through us. If you're saved, you're sent. If you're sent, you're sent by Jesus. You're sent with the cross. But I love the fact that Paul says, we. (laughs) He doesn't say, hey, I'm an ambassador for Christ. He says, we're ambassadors for Christ. The third thing is, We're sent in community by Jesus, with the cross, in community. We don't do this alone. This is why we need this right here. This is why we need our city groups walking out life together every day, every week, every moment for some of you. It's beautiful. Why? Because we're sent in community. It's what what, uh, God has given us as a support, as accountability. You know, I love the early church. I love Acts 2. Um, The list goes down from Acts 242 to 47, all these beautiful things that we see in the early church but that verse I mentioned a minute ago verse 47 and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved isn't that phenomenal can you imagine if if we left here today and and then next week we had seven new believers we were baptized, we got seven new believers because we had seven days and somebody came to the Lord every day and next week seven and all of a sudden we wouldn't know where, where to put people right? It would be beautiful. But the way that that was accomplished wasn't through uh, just an individual or or leaders. It was through everyone. The mission was given to everyone in community. Acts 5.42 says, Every day in the temple and from house to house, they didn't cease from teaching and preaching that Christ, that the Christ is Jesus. This is breaking news. This is the gospel. And then I love this piece that Jesus says in John 13, and he kind of gives a definition Clarity to what it means to be in this community. John thirteen thirty four. a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, I know that you know that verse, most of you, but do we live it? Are we walking so deeply with people that when, when the scripture says that we uh, weep with one another and we celebrate with one another, are we doing that? When the Bible says we, we're to bear one another's burdens, are we bearing with each other? When we get hacked off with each other and we get angry and we, we get frustrated, we disagree and our feelings get hurt, does love cover a multitude of sins? Do we forgive or we just go, I'm out of here? God, forgive us when Jesus's heart for his church is that they would love differently than anybody else, that they would love in such a way that the world would look at the church and go, whoa, what is this? I'm not seeing this anywhere else. I've not seen this play out. You were angry with each other, now you're, you're, you're good. You're good. You, you vote differently, but you love one another. What if the mission of God is, is, is somehow connected to just how we love? And the world says, man, I want a part of that. I want to be a part of that. I want, I want to understand that. I want to live in that kind of community and it's this kind of community that we reach out, that God sends us out. You know, I, you hear me say a lot about our city groups and, and wanting us to, to be faithful in our city groups, to, to really make it a priority in our lives. There's, there's so many reasons for that, right? To love one another, to care for one another, but also to be accountable to one another, to be obedient to Jesus. So to be accountable, to be obedient in our everyday lives, but also to be obedient in the mission of God. So when we gather, we're we're comforting one another, we're praying with one another, we're encouraging one another, we're caring for others' needs, and then at some point we go, hey, how's it going sharing Jesus? How did it go this week? We were praying for this guy to come to Jesus. Are we doing that? Is the mission of God on the forefront of our mind that it's driving us and that it's causing accountability in our groups? It should, because we've been sent in community together. You know, uh, our city groups, are a great place to really dig into community, dig into to love and connection. They're, they're a great place. And I want to I say this clearly. That's a wonderful thing. Some of our city groups are really, really connected, really, really caring for one another, really, really loving each other really, really well. Praise God for that. I think that is uh, a response to Jesus saying we should love one another. But we can't just love. We also have to encourage mission. You know, we use this, this example sometimes of a pond. If you have a pond and there's no uh, water flowing in the pond or out of the pond, what's that pond going to look like? It's going to be gross, isn't it? It's going to be toxic. There's going to be a scum over the top of it because there's no influx of new water and there's no outflow of, of whatever, the water continuing through. That is a, a healthy ecosystem. If wa- new water's coming in and water's going out, then you've got a healthy ecosystem, right? But if you in your church or in your city group or or whatever in your relationships, you're just locked down and you got no new coming in and no anybody going out, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get toxic. It's going to get weird. It's going to become focused on you instead of the mission of Jesus. And we have to be so careful that we're doing both of these things. So we're sent by Jesus. We're sent with the cross. We're sent in community. And we're sent to every culture. Every culture. You know, uh, I love the stories of Paul throughout Acts. Different stories like uh, uh, the uh, the Areopagus in Athens, or uh, we just studied about him being in Malta. He's going to these different cultures. We see him adapting to those cultures and yet still taking the message of Jesus. But it's it's, it's important that he goes to to every place he can. It's important that we go to every nation we can, to every culture we can. And if you can't go to every culture and every nation, which you can't, That's okay, because you know what's interesting is in Little Rock, how many cultures have come to you? (laughs) I just can't afford it. Oh, well, they're your next door neighbor. Can you afford to walk next door? I have an Indian family next door to us. What's my excuse? The nations have come to us. We have a large Indian population in Central Arkansas. We have the second largest Hispanic population in the state of Arkansas right here around this building are we going we have wonderful beautiful Hispanics in our family are we engaging are we connecting are, are, are we are we loving are we learning together because we need to I, I love uh David and Hannah Mary they're not here this this uh, Sunday because they had a trip planned I wanted to bring them up and kind of interview them you know who I'm talking about probably David and Hannah they're doing this They're connecting to the Indian uh, medical community and and Indian uh, exchange students, and they're spending time with them every week. They go hiking with them. They go climbing for the express purpose that at some point in relationship, they're gonna talk to them about Jesus. I love that. I love that Miss Glenna, and I'm gonna be in trouble now after I just said her name, but Miss Glenna, she makes clothes for children around the world, hundreds of shorts, hundreds of skirts, She's never once seen one child wearing what she created. She doesn't have to see it. She just continues to make it because she knows it's a blessing to people who need it. There are things we can do. There are ways we can be on mission. Many of you know that my wife Lori is a part of a ministry called LifeWord Broadcast Ministries and she does a devotional twice a week and she shares that on Facebook and and I'm helping them with some creative efforts but we love LifeWord because they are going to cultures around the world. They're presenting the gospel in, in over 120 languages to that many nations. And on, I just want to kind of put this commercial out there. On October 24th, we're going to take up an offering for them to, to help them continue that mission. But that may be a way that we can serve and, and reach cultures, is even through a ministry like Life Word. See, here's the reality. We've got to get out of our comfort zone. But I just don't speak the language. That's okay. They'll be, they'll be patient with you. I don't know the culture. That's okay. They're going to be so overwhelmed that you would take time to spend with them. Doesn't matter the culture, the color, the language. Do we have the heart of Jesus to go to every culture? Because that's what He's called us to do. I love the story in Luke five twenty nine where Jesus has uh, Matthew throws him a party. That's what it says in five twenty nine. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table. I just love this image of Jesus, sinless, kickback with sinners, tax collectors. You know, when I, when I go there in my mind about this picture, I, I don't think Jesus is necessarily comfortable around sin because he's holy, there's a holiness about him, but he loves us so much that he can be with sinners. It's in our sin, Romans 5, 29, right? That he, he, he saves us while we were yet Sinners. So here he is with sinners, and it's his great love that compels him to be with them, to love them, to give them real life. Can I just ask a very serious question, and you, you answer it in your soul right now. How many lost people do you know? Some of you are like, I can't even tell you how many. There's so many. But I bet there's somebody in here right now that goes, I don't know if I know any. That's a problem, friends. It's a problem if we don't know lost people. Can I encourage you to find one or 10 or 20? Can I encourage you to begin to do life with them? Can I encourage you to recline with them, (laughs) spend time, have coffee, invite them into your home? Why? Because you're a missionary. And this is what God has called us to do. Just as Ahmad said last week, you need to make sure you take care of yourself in those environments, right? Make sure that you know who you are and whose you are. But we have to walk in this commission of Jesus and love the lost. Lastly, we're sent for the king and his kingdom. When I hear that, that we're sent for the king and his kingdom, I realize that this mission is so much bigger than me. We're not just inviting people, like I said, to a better life. We're, we're inviting people from death to life. Back there we have the sign that, that if you have somebody who you know is lost, you might want to write their name down on one of those tags and hang it up over there because we're praying for those people. And I would just encourage you, even today as you leave, you might just walk by, and as you walk by, look at some of the names and just pray a quick prayer for those names that they would come to Jesus. But this mission is so much bigger than us. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 7, Proc- uh, and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or Luke 4, 43, but he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God uh, to other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And, of course, this incredible story Jesus tells in Matthew 25, 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of of the world. But here's my question for us this morning. Do we live as though we're a part of another kingdom or do we just, are we just Arkansans, Americans? Or do we live as though we're a part of another kingdom? Do we have another worldview that's different maybe than your neighbor, that can love, that can endure in suffering, that's on mission? friends? God is calling you, he's calling me, he's calling our church, he's calling our city groups, he's calling us all who know him to be sent, to be on mission, to rescue people from lives of darkness, to help them into this marvelous light of the kingdom of God. That's what he's calling us to. If we're saved, we're sent by Jesus, with the cross, in community, to every culture by the king for the king and his kingdom last thing before we go this morning I want to give you one last thing God wants to send us with a heart for mission you know I think sometimes people can go on mission uh, out of obligation out of duty well I guess this is what I'm supposed to do the Mormon the Mormons send uh, kids on their missionary journeys because they have to do it right again it's works based not Christianity. But he sends us to have a heart for mission. And I believe this is a threefold calling. I believe when we have a heart for mission, we have to love Jesus. We know him personally. We want to serve him. We want to be obedient to him. We want to love him. He also calls us to love one another the way he loved us in the church, in this community, to have a love, it's hard to find another one like it anywhere in the world, because it's special. We love Jesus, we love one another, but then the third leg of this stool, and it's very important, is we have to learn, friends, to, to love the lost. But here's the deal, we can't just love Jesus and not do the other two. Or you can't just go, you know what, I love Jesus and I love the lost, but I don't like the church. Isn't that what we do? We wanna pick one or the other. Oh, the church is really messed up, and you're right, it is. We've we've messed up the church in so many different ways. It's a broken place because it's led by broken people and full of broken people. And you can pick and choose, I'm going to love Jesus or I'm going to love this or that, but we can't. We have to do all three. We have to love Jesus. We have to love his people, and we have to love the lost. And if we get it wrong, if we do one or the other and just two or the three it goes wrong for us. I want to show you. This is out of the multiplication workshop. I think the guys are going to have this on the screen. If we have the cross, in other words, it's the gospel of Jesus, and we want to take it to the culture, to the, to the world, but we're not going to do that with the church or through community, this is what happens. We become a churchless mission. We become spiritual orphans. We don't belong anywhere. It's a lonely Existence. We we, we try to believe in something, but we don't belong to anyone. It causes individualism. Well, I'll tell you where my church is it's out there in the lake, it's out there in the deer woods. I'll tell you what I believe, right? These, no, the life in Christ is not an individual experience, it's lived in community. And as soon as we get individual, we get wrong. We need accountability, we need to walk this life in Him together. When we do it this way, we we become selfish and immature. Even as I say that there are names, there are faces in my mind of friends who are are done with the church. I'll put it that way. They're not done with Jesus. They're not even done with the lost. They love witnessing to people, but man, they're tired of the church. The church has wounded them. But friends, God has not called us to two out of the three. He's called us to all three. Even in its imperfection and brokenness, It also uh, comes down to parachurch substitution. What what does that mean? It means, well, I don't go to church, but I've got a navigator's Bible study, so we're just doing that with a couple of friends. That's good, but that's not the church. Right? The church, it means I'm coming under authority of elders. I'm coming under the authority of other believers. We're going to work this out together, and it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult but we're gonna to learn to love each other like we've never known before. What happens if it's, okay, we've got the community and we've got the cross, but we don't wanna to go to the world. We see this a lot, we neglect the culture, we have no mission. It means we're a missionless church. I see this a lot. We just do church because we do church. We don't wanna go anywhere, we don't wanna do anything, we don't wanna take the gospel, we're just a missionless church. And it causes us to be isolationists or, or have separatism, right? If they want to come to the church, that's fine with us, but we're not going to them. They know what time our service is. Is that what Jesus said? Have people come to the church in the name of the Father and the Son. He said, go. It causes us, when when we have the community and maybe the cross, but we're not willing to go on mission to culture, it causes legalism. It causes a come-to-us mentality. It causes us not to be replicating disciples in spiritual things. It causes us to be internal, never looking out. What happens if we have the the culture, we're gonna go to the world and we have the church, sort of the church, but we're not really gonna take the cross. We see that a lot right now in culture. We don't wanna believe the Bible for what it says. We don't wanna believe Jesus for what he says. We're gonna kinda just make up our own way here and what we believe. What happens when we neglect the cross is that there's no hope. It's so sad. It has the semblance of spirituality and no hope. It's a dead religion. It causes consumer Christianity. I like the music. I didn't like the preacher. I like the building. I don't know if I'm going to stay. Friends, we've got to dig a little deeper in what matters in our lives in spiritual things. It causes liberalism, a social gospel. In other words, and I have a lot of friends that that are in this place, not, not connected to a church, not accountable to other believers, but man, they love to help the homeless. They love to serve the poor. They love to work in the food kitchen. Are those good things? Yeah, they're wonderful. But if we do those things apart from giving the message of Jesus and the cross, it's a social gospel, it doesn't do any good because we're not giving them an eternal hope. See it, you can feed them today and they'll die in hell tomorrow. We have to give them the cross. There's belonging without believing. There's cultural accommodation, what does that mean? That means, what is the world saying right now that's sort of okay, right? About marriage, about sexuality, about all these issues. It doesn't matter what the world says, the only thing that matters is what God's word says. But when we divvy up what we're gonna support, this is what happens. We become a place where we think we pat ourselves on the back and we we live by salvation of works or country club mentality. Here's the message, friends. You can't do one or the other. We must love Jesus. We must take the gospel of Jesus to the world. To love him, he said, is to obey my commands. And his command is to go to every nation, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. But the good news is he's with us. We have to love one another. We have to be able to do this as a community. Hold each other accountable for the mission. Hold each other accountable for the obedience to Christ. And we have to learn to love the lost. We take the gospel to every culture, every people group. We can't pick one or the other. This morning you can know if you're saved, you're sent, right? If God has done a work in your heart, then he has an expectation of your life. He's given you this ministry of reconciliation, this message. My prayer is that we also have the heart to go with it. I just pray this morning that our church be known for this mission, for this heart of mission loving Jesus, loving one another, loving the lost, loving Jesus, loving one another, loving the lost, loving Jesus. Loving one another and loving the lost. Can we be known for that as a church, as city groups, as individuals? You are a missionary. Leave today not wondering. (laughs) I wonder what God expects of me in missions. Now you know, right? You're a missionary. May we walk out of here. I love the churches that have that sign. Maybe we need to get one that says, you're now entering your mission field. Why? Because you're a missionary. May we walk in that commandment in that obedience, with that heart for mission, because God loves the world. And God wants to speak of that love through you to those who need him so desperately. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for your kindness. Mm, How good you are. Your word says it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. How kind and good and wonderful you are. God, for so long in my life, I I didn't identify as a missionary because I wasn't on mission. And yet, there was an expectation of my life because I knew you as my Savior. Father, with all my heart, my prayer is that this morning, that believers in Jesus begin to see themselves with this assignment, with this mission, that they can't just put it off on the church, they can't just put it off on a missions agency, we can't just give some money, we can't just pray. God, you've called us to be on mission in all of these ways. We are missionaries. Praise God that you have reconciled us. When we were enemies, Lord, we were dead in our trespasses and you made us alive in Christ and you reconciled us to yourself. Thank you, Lord. But you didn't just do that, you've also given us ministry. You've also given us a message, and, and you wanna speak that message of love and reconciliation through your church. May we hear you today, God. May we say yes, may we bow our hearts, our lives, everything about us, Say, God, how can you use me to take this message to the world? Because you love them. You sent Jesus. Because Jesus loves them, he sent us. And may we go, God, because we love you and we want to be obedient to you. Thank you so much for the celebration that we get to have today. Thank you so much for this picture of of the great commission that we get to be a part of today. We know it's because of you, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for these friends that are here. I pray that in this moment we would open our hearts to what you want to say to us, that we would be responding to what you've spoken to us and that we would move in the direction you'd have us to right now in obedience to you. In Jesus' precious name.